afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots to look at. I, I jokingly, before we started this, call it good, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think that might portray what we're seeing once again in these market trades. Of course, all the talk with China and the phase one and an article that came out with Bloomberg. So we're going to get down to details with Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. And I think, Mike, calling it the good, the bad, and the ugly just might uh, be some truth to that as we look at these markets. Another struggle on a Monday. I think you're right. I think the good, though, came at the end, Susan, and I think that was really necessary and really maybe meaningful in terms of possibly giving us a rejection of lower levels. And, you know, what we saw was the hogs and the soy, the pork and bean trade, as you and I oftentimes talk about it, the pork and bean trade kind of led and coordinated the turn back to better price action late in Monday's session. Um, with a pretty strong short covering and some, in some cases some new daily highs. Um, these were the two commodities that I felt like were most closely related to not only China's Phase 1 deal, but also the coronavirus, which now these are getting wrapped up into one, as you say, because of this Bloomberg article that essentially reports that there is the potential of the Chinese seeking flexibility from the United States on the trade targets of the phase one deal because of the coronavirus but it is not set in stone and i will tell the listeners today that in fact there is some contradictory uh... comments and i won't say evidence but opinions out there coming from china that uh... the chinese officials are very nervous about a shortage of food supplies in some of these key areas in part because their lunar new year was extended so long that uh, they haven't gotten transportation moving to the point where they're replenishing supplies. So I think there's enough contradictory uh, comments and, and lack of evidence on both sides that today's technical turn, if we build upon it on Tuesday, could have some meaning for the whole week's trade. You know, we saw the um, earlier this morning the social media that once that article was released and, and the chatter that came about, um, wanting that lenience to be put in place. And obviously nothing official in black and white coming from China. But in some retrospect, it's kind of expected um, with everything that's been going on with the coronavirus for them and, and the issues. And I did have one producer that Mike made the comment. Maybe you can expand on this. They're wondering if it's worse than what China's letting us know. Well, I think that is the biggest problem potentially facing the commodity markets and facing the the future demand, the the trade, whether you're looking at stocks or commodities, uh, the currencies, uh, the the crude oil especially uh, being a big leader, and the copper being, you know, what we would call doctor copper when it comes to giving us a good idea of what's going on in China uh, as far as its price action and the market sentiment towards China. These are elements that are still such an uncertainty, and we are seeing lower growth, Susan, at this point by some of the major banks and some of the big economics firms. Goldman Sachs was the most recent that I had seen on Monday afternoon. They took global growth for this year down one-tenth to two-tenths of a percent. They put the new global growth number for the world uh, for 2020 at three-and-a-quarter percent. The International Monetary Fund was at 3.3 percent on January 9th. And and more specifically, Goldman took China's growth for this year down to 5.5%. The IMF was at 6%. It is a moving target because of what you're talking about. If the disease is worse than what the Chinese are kind of giving us, uh, I think that means that the dollar will become more of a safe haven. It will be bought 
and that's not going to be good for the commodity markets because that higher dollar essentially means deflation is coming. That demand has not found a low yet. Um, so I think that this is a real uh, moving part issue. I would only say to conclude this you know, comment that some evidence is out there that China is actually doing much more than what they did back during 2002 in 2003 with the SARS epidemic, that they know the pressure's on, they know they're being looked at, and domestically, the head of China, President Xi, is under immense pressure because he had uh, the campaign against corruption early on in his power, then he had to fight with President Trump on the trade deal, then he had African swine fever, now he has coronavirus. When you're talking about a top-down economy and a top-down uh, political situation, and you got one guy at the very top, the spotlight's really on him. So I would be surprised if they're hiding things from a standpoint of the medical side of the equation and the scientific side, because I think they know what the cost would be if they got found out. Let's go south of the border, the Brazilian real, and we've had this conversation, I think the last couple Fontenelle final bells, is it continues to remain cheap. Now the talk is coming out more about how it's hurting our U.S. export competitiveness. Yeah, and it is, and it's going to continue to be because we're near a record high against that Brazilian currency as they ramp up on their harvesting of soybeans especially. The last time we spoke, I think I said that I was a lot less worried about the corn side of the equation, the supply side out of South America as a whole when it came to corn than I was the soybeans. That's exactly where I'm at at this point. Uh, Argentina, to, to jump around a little bit on South America, Argentina is looking at some very heavy rains, which would be very welcome in the next 10 days. But if they'd miss those rains, we would, I would start taking their supply and their production numbers down for especially corn, but even to a lesser degree beans. But you're exactly right. The dollar is starting to act more like a safe haven, and it's doing it in part because of Brexit, which is, I think, a small part. It's doing it in part because of Brazil, which I think their economy and their political situation is not improving much. And so that's a, an issue. And then also the coronavirus, the key now is to contain it, especially when it comes to how the dollar reacts to the Brazilian real when it's up against this historic high and how it reacts against the Chinese currency, which the dollar broke above seven against the Chinese yuan. And that's kind of a toggle point. Uh, bullish bearish toggle point. So we want the dollar contained as we progress through the week because I think that do a lot in helping preserve more optimistic sentiment and that the demand low is in. All right, well stick around folks. We have a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Mike Zuzlo continues our conversation as we head into segment two, and I always say this, Mike, that I wish sometimes people could hear our conversations during the commercial break. And, and you brought up a really interesting point about there's just a lot of uncertainties out there right now in the trade. And I don't remember in years past being in the month of February, which we are now, and having so many what ifs hanging out in, in the air. No, and I think this is true. I think this is going to continue because I think what we're seeing, and I talk about this with the clients and subscribers in the webinars that I'm getting ready to post, I'm really delving into a lot of different areas. And one of those is this idea of deglobalization and that essentially multilateral trade deals are faltering because in part of President Trump's policy of renegotiating all these trade deals between countries and so that we have stronger ties with our allies. 
that's a, the political side, but we have a presidency right now that, where the political tie and the economic tie and the trade tie, they're all one and the same. And it's been a long time since we've had that, Susan. And so it's going to be much more volatile. It's not necessarily bad because I think President Trump's policies, for the most part, are inflationary. You think about his tax cuts. You think about him wanting to weaken the dollar. And, and that was one of the big reasons why he wanted to go after China and use the Chinese uh, currency manipulation issue as one of the big things that made China come to the table. At least that's how I see it. And so I think this is actually a, a genuinely good thing happening from a standpoint of bringing some inflation back into the market. It may also mean higher interest rates eventually, but for the commodity sector, those two things aren't bad. And so I think this is really important to think about in the medium term. And I'll, I'll just end it with this. Don't ever forget about what your profit per head is. Don't ever forget about your revenue per acre. And I've got clients in Indiana and Illinois right now that have good enough basis. And there's some areas in Nebraska as well. It's getting closer that there's new crop corn out there that if we get back up towards that 395 high in the March futures, with the basis you're looking at a new crop, if you have irrigated ground that can do 225 or 250 bushel corn, all of a sudden you're banging on the door of $850 of gross revenue by locking in a really strong basis. Don't ever let that go, at least on part of your crop. So don't get caught up in the short term as much as what you're really farming your plan, essentially. Well, now it seems like the next focus, and we know that the Iowa caucus is taking place uh, tonight. How much of an influence now are we going to see all of this taking place in our market trade? I think this goes right back to what a, what a great follow-up question, because that goes right back to what President Trump's policies are versus the policies of his competitors right now. And if I would t pick the top three, I would probably put Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg uh, at the top two, and then maybe a couple that are tied for three right now as far as who I could see coming out with a Democrat nomination. And, and if they would, both those guys are more of a socialist mindset, a true political theory socialist, both in terms of how Bloomberg ran New York City and how Bernie Sanders has campaigned. And that would unwind, essentially, all of what President Trump has done at this stage if they would win in November. And then all of a sudden you'd have to start thinking about multilateral trade. You'd have to start talking about bigger tax increases as opposed to tax cuts. Those things both would probably be more deflationary, and I'd have to retool for my 2020 uh, outlook as far as what I think prices could get to. And it would make it a lot more important then for what the supplies are, what the ending stocks are at the end of this year. Over to the livestock side, we know the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's annual convention getting underway um, this week. A lot of emphasis on what we've been seeing with trade for cattle and, and waiting on the cash. What are your thoughts as you look at this cattle market heading into the first full week of February? I'm still mostly on target with the declining supply of beef and that pork will be our biggest competitor as we head into the second half of the year of calendar year 2020. The, the inventory report I thought was a jolt to the supportive side and, and, and helped my analysis in that the beef cows that have calved in the top six states, which represent about 45% of all the beef cows that have calved, all of them but one were down, and that was Missouri. It was up 1% versus last year, but South Dakota, Texas, Oklahoma down 2%, Nebraska down 1%, Kansas down 6%. So we have a declining supply out there. doesn't mean we won't build weights, 
But then again, that goes back to how we feed out and what our grain supplies are. So I think overall, the bottom is coming up in prices as we get to the middle part of the year. How high we go goes back to where the pork side of the equation comes to fruition with China. And speaking of pork, can we get past these struggles that we've seen the last week? I think we really can. I, you know, when you see a cash index that is six to seven dollars lower in hogs versus the futures, the in the feeders, it's six to seven dollars lower. It's good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is to go to the website and sign up for a trial, globalanalytics.biz. All right. Thanks so much. And, of course, they can follow you on social media as well. And just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That's a kickoff of the February Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can check this out as a podcast through our website at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe for your free podcasts. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.